May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. May I serve with honor in the role you've given me. And may I never go beyond my place as I serve my Savior and I give you praise. Help me follow the truth and I'll be saved. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. How do you see this old world? Oh, how do you soak it all in? Oh, where did you come from? Back in January, I announced this year that uh, I wanted us to focus a lot on seeing Jesus more clearly. You know, with the year being 2020, I kind of wanted us to, to strive together as a church to have better vision of who Jesus is. And I wanted us to focus a lot on John's gospel. And, and if you remember some of my early sermons from this year, it did that. However, you know, at some point in the year, whenever I started to realize this year is not going to be a regular one, I didn't do as much about that theme necessarily on seeing Jesus. And I, I had a lot of other lessons planned and maybe some of them I'll get to eventually and, and things like that. But I, I did start off about focusing on John's gospel and seeing Jesus more clearly. But now we're kind of approaching the midway 
of this year. And I want you to think about it. And, and I've been thinking about it as well. How good have we done of a job of seeing Jesus more clearly during the current situations that we find ourselves in? Have you been able to see Jesus through all of this and to be able to keep your focus on him? It's a good goal, and it's. I think that this theme that I had planned for us to have this year doesn't need to be one that we just lose sight of it. We need to keep sight of it. And I would still recommend you reading John's Gospel all the way through at some point throughout this year, or perhaps one of the other Gospels if, if you just prefer one of those as opposed to John's Gospel. Any of them will give you, I believe, a better picture about who Jesus is than what you know you currently have. The more we can learn about him, the more we can see him clearly. Uh, let's let's look at some of those things this morning uh, in this video together. For starters, I want us to look uh, just briefly at the book of Hebrews and, and something that the Hebrew writer tells his people uh, during a time whenever they were enduring some persecution and times were getting rough, but they weren't just completely just out of control just yet. But times were getting rough for them. The Hebrew writer says this, Going now to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, he says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, the Hebrew writer was giving very needed encouragement during their day. They needed to fix their eyes on Jesus, to look at him as an example of great faith, one who was a pioneer. He's the first one that went through and kind of showed us what perfect faith would look like. And he's also a perfecter of faith. Not only, uh, I don't think that just applies to his own faith, that he was able to do it perfectly, but I think he also has something about completing our faith. So Jesus he, he did a very special thing for all of us. He went to the cross for us. And because of that, he was able to sit down and is currently at the right hand of the throne of God. Our eyes must always look to Jesus. We must always consider his example, like what verse three says, because if we can look at him and consider his example, then it will help us to not grow weary and not lose heart. And maybe that's exactly what you need right now. I know from time to time, that's what I need is just to focus on Jesus and keep moving forward. Well, in this video, I want us to take a look, uh, going to John's gospel again, because I believe that's a, a wonderful gospel. All the others are good too, but John is kind of perhaps my own personal favorite. And I want us to see some of these examples of uh, good and bad examples about seeing Jesus and being able to focus on him. I want us to look at those from John's gospel. So let's take a look at a, a few together. First, as we think about refocusing our attention back on Jesus, let's look at some of these positive examples that we see in John's gospel. When you look at the very first chapter, you see quite a few examples, and that's where we're going to look at uh, in this, at the beginning of this. John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, 
Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So here in this passage, you start to see, and if you follow along, you will, you will see that those disciples that left John to follow Jesus, they later become the disciples of Jesus and you know what we will later call the apostles of Jesus. But right here, you see that there is this need to focus on Jesus. I mean, even from back in verse 36, John himself says, look, the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. That's what he did for us on the cross. It's a wonderful image, a beautiful image, one that takes us back to that Passover lamb that was sacrificed and part of that meal that, that took place and the blood that was, that was put around the doorframe so that those who are faithful to God, uh, the angel of death, so to speak, would pass over them uh, that, that evening. That's what Jesus does for us, that we can be covered with his blood, that we can be surrounded by his blood, washed in his blood. He is the Lamb of God. We need to look. We need to pay attention to who Jesus is and what he's done. But then we also see in verse 39 that even Jesus himself invites people in, invites them. He says, come and you will see. What about now? Are you following Jesus? And if you're following Jesus, have you obeyed this to come and you will see these things? He's going to show them great things that there was no way that they could possibly have even thought about what he was going to show them at this point. But they still went with him. They followed him and they saw great things, even more than what they could possibly imagine. I believe the same can happen to us if we just listen to Jesus's invitation about come and you will see. There's some more examples in this chapter, just a few verses later. In John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51 now, we read about some more disciples that came to Jesus. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told uh, you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. When you look at how full and how rich this text is. It's a wonderful call to follow Jesus. It's a wonderful call to see him clearly, to refocus our attention. And in this case, with these disciples, they were having to focus their attention on Jesus because they were starting to see all these, these prophecies about this Messiah from the Old Testament that they grew up learning. They're seeing the fulfillment right there in their midst. Sometimes that's hard to see such things right in your midst. But we see that 
whenever they found out about it, they couldn't help but invite more people to say, come and see. In verse 46, that's what Philip said to Nathaniel. He says, come and see. And Nathaniel went and he wanted to, to check it out. We also see this idea about Jesus himself seeing in verse 48. Now, I wish I could explain to you exactly what this part of that conversation is and what it meant that Jesus saw him while he was under the fig tree, but you know, we don't really know. But whatever the case, Jesus making that statement that I saw you, it does show us that Jesus is aware what we're going through, where we're at, you know, what's going on in our lives. So if you ever get this feeling right here, right now, that maybe Jesus isn't paying much attention, look at passages like that. You notice that Jesus's eyes are wide open. He's paying attention. We have this call to pay attention to, to open up our eyes, to focus on Jesus, to refocus on Jesus repeatedly. And Jesus makes this statement to the early disciples, specifically to Nathaniel, but I believe that we can see some of these same things. He tells uh, this early disciple, he says, you will see greater things than that. And he goes on in verse 51 to even tell him that he's going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That is what Nathaniel was told that he was going to see. And guess what? How many great things like that have we been able to see? by opening up the pages of the Bible and looking at what Jesus himself did, the lessons that he taught us, uh, just the encounters that he had with people. We have the opportunity to see greater things than just Jesus saying, oh, well, you know, I saw you while you were under the fig tree. I mean, that's cool and that meant something to him, but he was gonna see so much more than that if his eyes would just stay open and take it in. That was the call. And apparently he did that because he also became one of these close disciples of Jesus. and He did great things for the church. So now we've seen some, some good examples. This call, this invitation to see how great Jesus is. And that's an invitation that still is extended to us today, that we need to see how great Jesus is. Unfortunately, there are some negative examples, though. So now let's take a look at some of those negative examples from John's gospel. And these typically are more kind of general in statements that we know that a lot of people did not want to have anything to do with Jesus. Let's take a look at some of those encounters. And I think there's even some things there that we can learn from it. I believe it's important that we learn from positive examples and reinforce that type of behavior. But I believe it's also important that we learn from negative examples in times past. That's why when we read the Bible, we see not just good examples of how we should live our lives, but also some bad examples of what happened whenever they didn't live their life according to the way that God has planned. We can learn from their mistakes and we can see it didn't go well for them because they weren't focused on God. If we're not focused on God, things won't go well for us either. So let's see some of these examples. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 21 and going through verse 30. Once more, Jesus said to the Pharisees, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. 
Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. So you find out that, I guess you might also see that verse 30, that even among the negative examples, you still see some positive. You still see that even among all these things, many people did believe in him, but some people didn't. We see these Pharisees, these Jewish people who really should know better. They, they didn't understand what he was talking about and, and what he was saying. In verse 21, he does tell them, you will look for me, but were they looking the right way? See, this is an example we need to, to understand is just looking for Jesus, it really requires more because we need to also not just look for him, but once we find him, we need to follow him. And that's something that most of these Pharisees weren't willing to do. Jesus does tell them and draws their attention back to kind of his own focus and what he came here from. We see in verse 23 that he says that he is from above. We also see that he is not of this world. He's trying to teach them to keep their focus, not just here on earth, but to look up, to see what God is doing in their midst and to see what has come down, that the Son of Man had come down to be with his people. In verse 28, we do see this statement, that whenever they have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, that I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. Whenever the Son of Man was lifted up, we see that that took place whenever he was lifted up on that cross. That's when the Son of Man was lifted up. That's when everybody could look at him and could see what they had done, but also what he had done for them. And then, if you also so choose to see it, a few days after that, we see that he truly is lifted up. He's raised up from the dead. And then he also ascends into heaven to be at the Father's right hand. All of those facts that we see throughout history of what Jesus did, that he did raise up from the dead and that he is at the right hand of the Father, all of those speak to how great he was and they confirm that he truly was and is from above. and He truly does care for us and did all that he did for us. Even though people he knew weren't gonna believe. There's another example though. I wanna look at one more of these negative examples. This time, a few chapters later in John chapter 12, we're going to see this crowd of Jewish people, and let's see how they respond. John 12, beginning in verse 37 and going through 43. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because, as Isaiah said elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. 
So here in this passage, we see that Jesus knew once again that he was going to be rejected by a lot of these people. And this crowd is simply fulfilling what Isaiah knew was happening, would happen, and that was quoted in verse 40. We see that their eyes were blinded. We also see this phrase that they were not able to see with their eyes. This prevented them from being able to see the truth that was literally right in front of them. However, among these negative examples, we still see a positive example. In fact, we see a few positive examples, but one that I want us to see is in verse 41. Did you notice that Isaiah is mentioned? Now, he lived hundreds of years before Jesus ever set foot on this earth. However, verse 41 says that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and that he spoke about it. Isn't that interesting that, that that phrase is repeated, that Isaiah was able to see Jesus' glory and he spoke about him? How was he able to see that glory? How was he able to speak about him? Because he was guided by God and he was willing to follow wherever God was leading. That's the example of Isaiah. Not so much the example of these other people. People did believe in him. But sometimes they feared what man would do. Is that where we are today? Is that where the church is today? Are we afraid of what man would do? Or do we love the praise of man more than the praise of God? We need to be able to allow God to work in us, to allow us to praise God and receive that praise of God and desire that praise of God more than we desire the praise of human beings. I want to look at one more thing before we end. As we think about refocusing on Jesus, I want us to look at one more example from John's gospel. Technically, it's going to be your example. We've looked at some positive examples. We've looked at some negative examples. But what about your example? Let's see. John chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. Now, this is after Jesus has already been raised from the dead. But notice this encounter. Jesus is speaking to uh, Peter. I guess you kind of probably should know that. Verses 18 through 22. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. I love how Jesus turns this conversation to, to direct it at, at Peter. You know, Peter tries to look elsewhere and he's like, well, what about this other guy? And Jesus says, he says, follow me. He said that in verse 19. He said to Peter, you have to follow me. That's what it means to focus on God, is that we focus on him. We focus on Jesus. We see what he's doing. We accept it and we follow. Him. That's what Jesus has called us to do. Sometimes we might not always like where that pathway might lead us. That was going to be the case with Peter. I mean, it was stated that that he's going to die this type of death. You know, somebody else is going to dress him. Someone's going to lead him where he doesn't want to go. But he's still called to follow Jesus. We also see that is repeated, though, again, even at the end of verse 22. 
he says, Jesus says, don't worry about John. Don't worry about what's happening with that other person. What about you? You must follow me. And Jesus also calls you today to do the same thing. Don't always worry about this person or that person and what they're doing. Because really, you have to answer the call. Are you going to focus on Jesus? Are you going to follow Jesus? Because that's the invitation that he's extended to us, is to follow him every day of our life. I hope you've been able to see him through the midst of difficult times. But even more than that, I hope that you're still willing to follow him, no matter what the future or the present might hold. Do you know, little child, what is in you? Can you dream, little child, of going far? Do you know, little child, of the power you've been given? Do you know, little child, whose you are? You were made in the image, in the image of God, just a little bit below the angels, and the masterpiece of heaven's hand is your body and your soul, you were made in the image, you were made in the image, you were made in the image of God, in the image of God, do you see? You were made in the image, you were made.